This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, yes, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergath. Thanks for joining us for the podcast. Though, once again today, Mike Grimm, the voice of the Golden Gophers and the Sports Director at MNN, uh, joining us once again on this Thursdays, and he is fresh back uh, from Champaign, uh, Illinois, calling the Gophers at Illinois. Fun game to call, Grimmer. I mean, up and down, guys are making shots. N- not a lot of defense, or was there some defensive intensity? It was just great offense. I think it was great offense. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I felt a little like our buddy Alan Horton. It was like an <laughs> NBA game. You yeah. know? It was unbelievable. Back and forth, uh, up and down. Incredible shot making for both teams, yeah. and as um, you know, look was it, was it was it a defensive struggle? Was it like it was uh, a Sunday with Nebraska, where both teams I thought played pretty good defense uh, this past Sunday, and Minnesota's offense was non-existent? Nope, it was not that. But I thought I thought there was pretty good defense and just incredible shot making. The Gophers made shots, and as true Minnesota sports teams go. Um, you know, we're sitting here looking. I was looking this morning at a bunch of different stats, and um, there's just almost no way if you're Minnesota, you do what you do last night and lose the game. I know. Um, it, it's incredible. So, a couple of different things I saw tweeted out. This is from a stats webpage. Uh, Minnesota is the is the first power conference team since 2011 to shoot 70% from three minimum 10 attempts and 60% overall and still lose. The only Power 5 team or Power 6 team in college basketball since 2011, so over a decade since a team has shot 60% overall and 70% from three minimum 10 attempts and lost. In fact, in that time, um, there's only been one, it looks like, Samford lost in an overtime game scoring 106 in 2019, and if that's not enough, I, I'm again going to trust that some of this is true. I'm, I'm not going to do my own research; that would take too much work. Um, but uh, the, the, the the thing that has come into vogue a lot with these the net rankings and Ken Pomeroy and some of these other efficiency rankings, um, it really oftentimes comes down to points per possession. Mm-hmm. Um, the great Dick Bennett, I think, started tracking that, and that's when we that's where we have seen the great, you know. Um, Tony Bennett, his son, follow up. Bo Ryan used that a lot. Um, you know, there's kind of that Wisconsin school of, of thought where you slow the pace down, but however you do it, try to get a point per possession. Well, Minnesota was 1.48 points per, per possession last night, which is an incredible number. No a point kidding. and a half almost. <laughs> 1.48. So according to Jared Burson on Twitter, who uh, he's got all kinds of stats, so he, I, you know, he must make a living at this. He said last night in the last 15 seasons uh, that Division One teams that average 1.48 points per possession for a full game in the last 15 seasons are 310, 310 wins and two losses, and the Gophers were the second last night. Oh, no. Think about that. In the last 15 seasons, uh, Denver, the University of Denver lost to Colorado State back in 2014, he says. So... Um, again, trusting all this is true. That tells you just how good they were offensively, yeah. and just how rare it would be to be that good offensively. Score ninety. They scored ninety-seven points, 
They were 14-20 from three, 70%. Mike Mitchell was four for four. I think Cam Christie was six for eight. I mean, think about that. They only had five turnovers, Todd. Yeah. And yet they end up uh, losing the game because Illinois was, was just a tick better. Quite frankly, free throws were the difference. They lost, was it eight? They lost by eight. And um, and Illinois made eight more free throws than Minnesota did, and yeah, and that yeah. was that. No, and I'm not saying it was officiating. I, I don't. I thought it was a well called, like you said, it was a fun game outside yeah. of the outcome. If you're a Gopher fan, I didn't think you know. I you know I'm not saying oh they got to the line, but it was, it was right. I mean nothing was wrong with it. It just yeah. that was the difference. They were able to get to the line a little bit more, and um, and consequently in a weird uh, game, leave it up to a Gopher or a Minnesota sports team to again set the. Uh, you know, the outlier uh, in a losing game. Not just an extreme outlier, 310 to 2. That's to two. To two. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. That's, that's un- well, mean, all you can do is laugh to keep from crying because what yeah. a win that would have been for the Gophers. That would have them again, maybe at least on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. That was that quad one win they were looking for. 20 lead changes in last night's game. I felt really good about it for a while. I thought, man, maybe they're going to pull this off. And then Illinois yeah. just wouldn't stop making shots just like the Gophers. They, it- it was incredible, you know. And Minnesota has been, I think, a pretty good defensive team most of the year. And again, I, like I said, I didn't think they were terrible last night. Um, could it have been better? Of course, um, they they did allow some open threes, and Illinois knocked them down. But that that happens. I mean, if you're a really good college basketball team, you can get all the open threes you want. It's a matter then of one: do you have enough good shooters to knock them down? And two: on that given night, are they knocking them down? Both teams obviously did that last night. And, um, you know, the, the rest is history. There was that stretch in the second half of the Iowa game when Minnesota was so hot early and got the 20-point lead um, where Iowa went into kind of what Illinois did last night, and the Gophers just could not get a stop. And some of it was shot-making. It was transition, um, you know, defense. But I thought, by and large, it just wasn't – it wasn't like just a – I came out of it as weird as it sounds because I, I guess I have a, a, a view of this as kind of this has been a stabilizing season. We weren't sure going in, you know, where it was headed, um, and so I'm not a moral victory guy, so don't take it wrong. I, yeah. uh, but but I, I actually it was in a weird way I felt pretty good leaving the arena yeah. last night because uh, I thought they played well, and and honestly I think this is now about. Eight of the last nine games this team has played winning basketball. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the record is in those games. Maybe in those eight games it's five and three. I think mm-hmm. at Nebraska, at Purdue, uh, and at Iowa were the losses, and then um, I guess and then this one. So maybe it's yeah. They're, I think five and four in a nine-game stretch. Where out of those nine games, I think they've played really well in eight. And mm-hmm. it's just at the point of the build of this program that um, that that's the next step is is playing well. Many nights in a row, they didn't play well at Nebraska. But again, I, I, some of that was just they didn't make shots, and some nights you just don't hit shots. Had they shot their regular season percentage from three, I think what were they? They were they were like four for twenty four or something in that game. It doesn't you know whatever uh, it, someone can look it up if they want. But the, the bottom line is they shot their normal season percentage. That game's nip and tuck as it stands. They were like four for whatever it was, and they lost by eighteen. Yeah. So outside of that game, they played pretty good basketball, and it's been entertaining. And that is a is a to me that's the next progressive step. Now, um, you know they're likely an NIT team. I think it's a real long shot now. As you yeah. mentioned last night, it wasn't just a quad one win. That was a ranked team, a top 15 yeah. team. That was going to be a marquee kind of win. Um, now, they still have a quad one win chance a week from Saturday when they're at Northwestern, and I like their chances in that game. 
but um, that's probably in and of itself. That win wouldn't be enough. They, they're, they're definitely going to have to do some damage. Uh, and if they do, if they hiccup here in the next two at home, um, I think that it's important to win the next two at home to um, solidify the NIT berth. That, that, that will certainly lock that up. Yeah. But then it also still keeps, in my opinion, though I could be wrong, I'm not a bracketologist, but <laughs> it keeps, I think it keeps in play that they could still make the tournament as unlikely as it might be without having to win the Big Ten tournament. If they would get to for sure on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, if they hold serve with these two home games, certainly if they upset Northwestern on the last day of the season that keeps in play that you don't have to win the tournament to make it yeah. if they stub their toe i think on either of these two home games then you probably have put your team in a position that you're going to have to win the tournament outright to get a berth um and you know that, that that's obviously a steep climb the good news is it's a home game you yeah. know it's a home tournament it's, it's four miles from campus so yeah. um you know it's not it's the chance isn't zero um you know but it's not 80 either but it you know it, it you you keep it in place so i think that's important here for the next couple but um you know they play good basketball so then the next step will be okay you're getting into postseason this year more than likely nit most likely um, that's the next step. And now you hope most of these guys, look, everyone but Jack Wilson has eligibility. So you theoretically could bring back the entire roster. Um, but as you know, in today's landscape, who knows? Yeah. Uh, and then the next step is to win uh, games like at Iowa. Close those games out. Win uh, upset at Purdue or Illinois. You're not going to win all of those games, but also don't lose all four of the last four road games, Nebraska, Iowa, Purdue, and Illinois. Like, you can't – I mean, you can. They did 0-4. Most teams are going to lose in those places. But um, the next progressive step then would be to – to go figure out a way to win one of those or two of those and and then move on. I really enjoy watching Eli Hawkins. You know, he's he's a pass-first point guard. He handles the ball. Uh, tight defensive player when you need him. He can score when you need him to, but, boy, he's really made a big difference for this team. Yeah, he's incredible. And you think about it, he is um, – think about this last night. He had a double-double. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 11 points and 10 assists. Look at the turnover column. Zero. Yeah. Zero turnovers against, you know, a top 15 team in a hostile environment on the road, and he had 10 assists. That tells you about his about his game, and he did. I thought he took a, a stretch where he hit back-to-back buckets in the second half when things were necessary to keep them in the game to get points, and you're right. I, I think you're right on with the assessment of yeah. him. And yeah. his game at Nebraska, he had that was his only game all year where he had more turnovers than assists. He had three turnovers and two assists, and I think he looked himself in the mirror and said, look, i got to be better. And, man, he really was. He um, he helped Minnesota stay in it. And then his two running mates at guard, like I said, Mitchell was four for four from three, and Christie was six for something, six for eight, six for nine, something. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two guys were huge as well. Uh, bit of an iron five, though, uh, here of late for, yeah. for Coach Johnson. Uh, you know, is it because he's getting such good play from those guys as opposed to he isn't so enamored with some guys on his bench? I think it's more the yes the the first thing I think yeah. he one I just feel he he <laughs> look when you're when you're in year three and you're trying to win games I think it's it's hard sometimes to go to the bench because you have more faith in the starters that's why they're starting 
And last night, particularly, they were playing great. Basically, he played seven. He got Ola Joseph and Isaiah Enan in late. Enan actually hit a three late, which was good to see. That was his first bucket since the Wisconsin game back on, I think it's January 23rd. So it was good to see him. Uh, you know, hopefully that gets him going because he had really struggled shooting the ball and really his playing time had dwindled. He had not played much. And uh, in terms of Ola Joseph, he is really trying to adjust to life now coming in off the bench. He missed his first game ever at Nebraska, um, and that was a coach's decision. That was not injury. He had played in every game in his career last year and this year up to this point. He now um, has come off the bench eight of the last nine games and in that stretch, he also did not play in that Nebraska game. So it's really a nine-game stretch counting last night where he didn't play in one game. And he, and he um, actually, it's a 10-game stretch where he didn't play in one game, came off the bench in eight games, and he started the game at Penn State. In that Penn State game, he scored 14. He's averaging in the seven that he played in, he's averaging 1.5 points. So um, he's really trying to figure out, you know, what his situation is. I think the coaching staff really feels like he needs to take a step rebounding-wise and defensively. They feel good still about his offensive game. He's shooting 61% from the floor, which is a great number. But I think he gets lost on defense a little too much, and I think they think for a guy who's 6'7", he should be averaging more than two rebounds a night. Mm-hmm. And so those are, I think, things that he'll work on. Um, and and progress on, and hopefully he fights through it. You know, I'm sure he's not thrilled that he's not playing as much as he was most of the year, and we'll see where that goes. Yeah. But um, you know, it, it, look, if if this group stays intact, and he's one of these guys that comes back, I think I think at some point we'll look back and say, boy, that was that was a, a growth period for him. It was a wake up session for him because I, I really like the talent he's got. Some players, though, you know, and you know where I'm going with this, it, it, with the transfer portal, if if no, he no, decides no he thinks he can get more opportunities elsewhere, it's hard to keep those guys. Yeah, and, and it, it even, in, in some cases, the, the one nice thing with Minnesota in regard to, you know, it's a catch-22, is they, they don't have a huge NIL. That, you know, we've heard that from P.J. Yeah. Fleck. We've heard that from Ben Johnson. It's been talked about. However, the NIL is improving. They're, they're starting to partner with companies, which was, which was a good move, where they're doing some profit sharing and different things. Yeah. That's not my point of the, of the deal. But if you're going to play at Minnesota in the NIL era, you are going to want to – the main reason you're going to want to play there is because you want to play at Minnesota. Yeah. So I think Ben Johnson has been able to target some guys – who want to play at Minnesota? Now um, you bring him in, and all of a sudden you got a guy like Hawkins, a guy like Mitchell, you got a freshman like Christie who had offers from more high-profile programs, but just liked the fit and certainly um, has has been great. And um, so, are those guys going to be looking? Are those guys going to certainly? They're going to. They're look. People involved with with this roster, Farrell Farrell Payne's going to also yeah. be in that boat. Are going to have. They're going to have programs reaching out, and so the question is how how much is it about being part of this team? And you know, if you held a gun to my head, I'd say there's almost no way this that, that everyone comes back. And yeah. it's not because oh we're disgruntled or this no. is terrible chemistry. None of that. It's just the reality of it. And on the flip side, hey, um, that there could be some players out there that see this year three with Ben Johnson, and they see this. Um, the way that they want to play, and there's some success here with 17 wins. They're, you know, hopefully going to get to 20 and, and more. 
Um, they're going to be in the postseason. There could be a couple guys where, you know, you can say, hey, they're interested in coming. Yeah. Um, we can upgrade. You know, we can make this a better team. Um, so uh, will the roster be the same? It could be the same. It literally could be the same with the additions of the two. Right now they're full. Uh, Jack Wilson is the only guy that um, has no eligibility left among scholarship players. Um, they've got two guys coming in. And so if everyone came back, you'd have the two recruits and everyone on the current roster. I don't think that's what will happen just because of the day and age we're in, but yeah. it could. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, you could also find two more transfers, bring them in. Illinois last night, it was funny, they um, they were chanting to Garcia. I forget, they were chanting something. We're right, right courtside. So um, yeah, quite honestly, it's distracting. Uh, <laughs> you know, the players don't, don't um, you know, they're probably in the middle. They were chanting something about Garcia's transfer um, that he was a transfer student, yeah. and I got a I got a kick out of it because then I, I I did a little inventory of the players on the court, and I'm like, huh, all <laughs> yeah. five Illinois players are yeah. transfers. Who isn't? That? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, literally uh, all five players. And Illinois is old. Uh, that that is a factor as well. We over uh, overlook it a lot. Um, Illinois has six players, 22 years or older. They have a 24 year old who's going to be 25 in May. And they have now the Gophers have a 25-year-old with with Parker Fox, but his experience level is not as high as most 25-year-olds because of injury and because of his D2 experience. So yeah. he's not a guy like Illinois has. They got a 25-year-old who has 2,000 points. Wow! Um, you know who came from Southern Illinois. So Illinois had five players 23 or older. Huh. You know on that team, and that just matters. It really does. You're 23 playing against a 19-year-old. Oh. Um, just mentally, you're going to be tougher, stronger, more experienced. We saw Domask, their their um, guy last night, who's a transfer from Southern Illinois. He's got 2,000 career points. He was the key to the whole second half. He, he they, uh, Brad Underwood, their head coach. Uh, I was listening to his post game uh, interview on the radio network that they have their courtside as we were kind of cleaning up, and he said we called the same play. 30 times in the second half, which is basically him going to work on Carrington or Mitchell or Garcia, and he just backed them down. And Gophers decided not to double because, you know, he was tall enough to kick out, and they were hot from three, and so it became a hard guard. I thought he was guarded closely a lot on those plays. He got to the line, and when he didn't, he made tough shots. And so um, that kid's 23, yeah. and he's 6'6", and uh, that's a factor. So next year, Hawkins is a year older. Mitchell's a year older. Cam Christie's a sophomore. Dawson Garcia's getting up there. You know, Pharrell Payne's going to be a 21-year-old next year. And so if they can keep it intact, I think this can be an exciting group next year. And like I said, the next progressive step is to is to win games like last night. And, and um, you know, we don't get it the heart of the cart in front of the horse because there's still games to be played yet this year and there could be some excitement certainly the rest of this year depending on you know how, how the rest of it plays out we're down to 10 days left yeah. in the regular season yeah and then uh selections uh, next sunday uh and the gophers in penn state saturday afternoon 2 15 uh grimmer has the call uh mike thanks so much for joining us yeah always great always enjoy uh, chatting thanks todd mike grim voice of the golden gophers on the todd and friends podcast it's brought to you by heritage bank member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at kwlm, 1340 a.m. and 96.3 FM.